Okay, so let's talk about what we have to talk about. Let's talk about what happened last night. The thing that everyone has been talking about, which was Triller's um, boxing event, I guess you might be able to call it that. But I would say that Triller successfully launched the single worst boxing event of all time. And I understand what they were trying to do. Like, I understand that they understood that the level of boxing that they had on the card was non-existent. So they tried to overcompensate by spending a exorbitant amount of money on musicians to perform. Now, maybe because of the whole COVID situation and musicians not being able to perform consistently, like they were able to get a decent deal or they just wanted to perform. And so they, they, you know, undercut their own price. Who knows? Who really knows? And I understand, well, at least my idea, my theory is that, you know, they wanted to create a spectacle that was more than just about boxing. And they're trying to sort of enter like a new phase of, entertainment when it comes to like lockdown and everything and I would just say that it really missed the mark for most viewers I think because we had we had like three hours where there was one boxing event that was between a guy who had like no idea what he was doing and a guy with eight professional boxing matches and it was exactly what you would expect would have happened and then like two and a half hours of musical performances followed by a slap boxing contest and a bunch of announcers who didn't even want to be there there was one part where (laughs) there's a boxing match going on and the match is so bad that they cut away from the boxing match to show pete davidson just like walking around with the announcers And then even as we got into the main event, the announcers were all so either coked out or drunk and high that they were just like yelling random things, incoherently announcing the boxing matches that were happening. So other than the final event, which was pretty great, and we'll get into that later, and we'll actually get into whether or not it was staged, but other than that, the actual event missed the mark so dramatically i've never seen anything like it and and where did it go wrong well it went wrong in assuming that people want to see that the viewers wanted to see the celebrity performances as much as they wanted to see the fight when in reality most people or at least most people that i associate myself with just wanted to see a couple boxing matches. And even if they were bad, it's still kind of fun to see like amateur boxing and celebrity boxing. Like it's still fun to watch. But no one, even though like the artists that performed were like very high um, profile artists, you know, like Justin Bieber was there, like super high profile artists. People aren't there to watch that. Like if I wanted to buy that event for music i would have bought the event for music but you want to you want to watch a fight like you want to watch however many fights are on the card and a lot of people made the mistake in believing that this event was similar to the last thriller event and i want to point out how it wasn't similar to the last event so what was the big difference well the biggest difference was this event headlined a celebrity whereas the last event headlined two of the greatest boxers of all time 
in a fun exhibition match, in a match that we hadn't seen, in a match that people had always imagined and it was really nostalgic for like real boxing fans. And it also held some great boxing matches before it. And I think they overestimated the value of having Jake Paul as a headliner when it comes to like boxing as a, as a real sport. Actually, I don't think they overvalued it. I think they understood that they just didn't have the pedigree that they had in the last one. People forget that the last one was headlined by Mike Tyson, who's probably one of the most popular boxers of all time. I would, it, you could easily argue that he is the most popular boxer of all time. And Roy Jones Jr., who is one of the most underrated boxers to ever live. In my opinion, easily one of the greats to ever step in the ring. Easily, easily. No contest. And it was headlined by those guys. Two guys that almost fought when they were in their primes. Even though the size difference was ridiculous. But they almost fought when they were in their primes. That's what people were actually there to watch that night. And Jake Paul happened to have a really fun moment where he knocked a guy out and it went viral because it was such a short clip. And that was great. And they tried to leverage that. But they also had, they had Badoo Jack, who is like legit. And they had a real, they had a real event that happened as well, like a real boxing match, but it ended in a guy faking a foul, which sucks. So that was a major loss. But Badoo Jack, from what I know, he doesn't seem like the type of guy to be on a Jake Paul undercard, but he'd be more than willing to be on a Mike Tyson undercard. So they weren't able to get guys that were like legit world championship level boxers still within their prime operating on this card. So instead you had Frank Mir who shout out to him. He actually did a great job against a, another legit boxer and that was kind of fun. But it's still not an actual like he's not a real boxer. He's an MMA fighter. And then you have the main event, which was one, I think it was like two minutes long. So it's just like the whole event, I really worry that they've almost shot themselves in the foot in the future because I don't know who's going to want to sit around for three hours to watch people that don't know boxing talk about boxing while like music is playing. And they also might have missed their audience because people forget that, you know, a large a large portion of Jake Paul's fan base is little kids and they have performances uh, and that aren't really great for little kids and their parents probably bought the pay-per-view and now they're like what am I watching and the fight's going till 1 a.m and you have the announcers swearing and like trying to lose their job the entire night it just didn't make any sense so hopefully, if we see this again, which I'm totally fine to see it again, celebrity boxing's fun, it's, it's got its place in the world, hopefully they just don't do this again. Like, I don't even understand what happened. It was it was mind-blowing. I'm so happy the UFC was on so I could watch that while, while that was going on. So I want to talk about how well Jake Paul and, and the Triller team have been advertising these events and have been able to successfully build, build hype against opponents that have either no boxing pedigree or no boxing pedigree. So he hasn't fought a guy that's ever had a boxing match yet. And that's an important note because when you do what they're doing, you create the aura that it's going to be a real boxing match. So then when you perform well, it creates the idea that you're great at boxing which is actually like brilliant advertising and credit to that team for doing this. So how do I, what do I mean by this? Let me break down what I mean by this. When Jake Paul goes out and calls out Conor McGregor and starts clowning Conor McGregor, it creates the idea 
that he's fighting world-class level athletes because he's calling out world-class level athletes and that's what the conversation is about. It's about like top tier athletes. And he obviously didn't actually want to call out these athletes. How do I know that this was obviously fake, that his call out to Conor McGregor was obviously fake? Well, he was offering him $50 million. If we look at the last event, Mike Tyson didn't get $50 million. Jake Paul was just played, paid $800,000. I'm sure he got a big pay-per-view bonus, but he was only paid $800,000. The event, the last event with Mike Tyson and Roy Jones got only $90 million. So let's say this one maybe got $90 million. It would have been half the purse just for Conor to be there. So that offer was never real, right? He knew that fight wasn't going to happen. He knew that he would call out world, world-class level athletes to create the idea that he's going to be fighting a world-class level athlete and then put in someone who has no idea how to box. And once he starches that guy, it looks as if he's starched a world-class level striker. That's brilliant marketing. And to casuals who don't understand boxing, who don't understand striking and mixed martial arts, who don't really know what's going on, will believe that you've just made some massive accomplishment. Now, to people who think that it's bad that Jake Paul's fighting people that don't know how to box, look at any pro boxer's career. Their first three fights will be the same. In fact, their first three fights might be against guys that have like 100 losses. It's pretty pretty alarming how, how slow boxing takes people into the sport, unlike MMA where they just throw them into the fire a lot of the time. But that strategy of advertising, where they make you think that this event is much more legitimate than it is, is what's building up Jake Paul to be a high-level boxer, what what people think is a high-level boxer, when in reality, he's fighting people that have no idea how to box, getting these amazing highlight KOs because he's got great power, credit to, credit where credit is due, he's got great power, He's he would be a high-level amateur at this point, I think. But the guys he's fighting are not. They simply are not at that level but they've convinced you they are. They've convinced the casual fans, the people that don't know any better, the people that are just watching this because they're celebrities and they watch maybe two boxing events a year and maybe one MMA event a year. They don't know any better. So it's brilliant marketing. So credit where credit is due. But now let's talk about what's next for Jake Paul. And I think what's next for Jake Paul really has to come down to what he wants out of boxing. Now, Does he want to be a legit boxer? Maybe. I think maybe intellectually he does. Or does he just want to make a ton of money? I know that the Triller fight team just wants to make money. And they would rather just keep building him up and keep making sure that he fights low-level competition. But I think that he might be drinking his own Kool-Aid a little bit. The only fight that I want to see, the only fight that even remotely interests me is Jake Paul versus Tommy Fury. Tommy Fury is a real boxer. He hasn't fought anyone yet. He's just fought like 100 and 0, uh, 0 and 100 journeymen. And he's also a celebrity, right? So he he did some uh, reality TV show a while back that got him a lot of exposure. And people like him. And he's a handsome kid. They're about the same size. I think Tommy's a bit bigger than Jake. He probably is considerably bigger. But it's actually a fun fight. 
And it's a fight where we could see which one of them is a real boxer. Because I know that Tommy Fury wants to be a real boxer. And he wants to actually like go and challenge for world titles and become a legit contender in the future. So why shouldn't he take this fight? That's the perfect fight for him. He's already accepted, seeing as Jake mentioned it. But as I mentioned in my last video, Jake's going to do this where he's going to pretend he's trying to fight world-class level athletes. And then more than likely, he's going to fight Dylan Dennis, who has no idea how to strike. Dylan would probably be upset that I said that, but that's the reality. And not just that, the reason I'm sick of him fighting people that don't know how to box and then calling out MMA fighters is people think that boxing is part of MMA. And it is. Boxing is part of MMA. But MMA boxing is not similar to boxing's boxings. How? Well, one, they use four ounce gloves. Two, they train for takedown defense. Three, they train for kicks, which change everything. Kicks change everything about a fight. They change the range. They change the timing. They change absolutely everything about a fight. If you don't believe me that the four-ounce gloves makes a huge difference, watch kickboxing matches and then watch 1FC's Muay Thai where they use four-ounce four ounce gloves. In kickboxing, they just glue their eight-ounce gloves or 10-ounce gloves to their forehead, and that's how they use to guard. And then they just operate within that guard because the gloves are so big that they can protect themselves. But when you use four ounce gloves, your entire defense has to be different. That's probably why Ben Askren thought that putting your arms out straight was a defense against a right hand. Instead of just putting his hands up where they should have been. So what does he do next depends on what his team and what he either believes he's capable of or wants financially. Financially, what's the move? What's the move? exactly what I just displayed, right? Call out call out high-level athletes and then fight a low-level striker. Fight a world-class level athlete in a sport that they're completely uncomfortable with. You know, it's like taking LeBron James and beating him at golf and calling yourself the best golfer in the world. So that's the smart move to make, like as far as a management team goes. But if Jake Paul wants to be taken seriously, which I think he does, if he wants to be taken seriously by people that understand that beating journeymen and beating, not even journeymen, beating people that have never fought before isn't anything. Like, that doesn't really mean anything. He's displayed that he has fundamentals, he has power, and he has skill. For sure, he's displayed that. There's no question about that at this point. But it's what level of good is he? And the fight against Tommy Fury would prove that. And it would prove Tommy Fury's future in this sport because Jake would probably be Tommy's toughest opponent yet and if you don't believe that the guys jake's fighting are like below low level watch tommy fury's opponents who have been all in the red with their with their records considerably they have significantly more losses than wins even they have better movement than jake paul's opponents do i think he takes that fight no i don't i think that what he'll do is He'll somehow try to rope in Tyson Fury to fight someone that Tyson Fury would never fight. Or he'll set weird boundaries around the fight that would make it impossible. And then he'll fight Dylan Dennis. So was the Paul versus Askren fight fake? I would say, and this is theoretical, there's definitely a high level of possibility that it was fake. But I don't believe it was. The way that Ben took the right hand and there's an angle that you can find on the internet that really shows he takes the right hand and then it looks like his body shuts off and he kind of face plants into the canvas it's really hard to fake face planting something like that 
It's really hard to fake going completely limp while you're falling. And it was just clear that he just did not have the speed or striking ability to hang with this kid who's athletic and been training with high-level boxers against a guy who was incredibly one-dimensional even in his MMA career, which ended horribly. There's a there's a well-known phrase that you're only as good as your last fight, and some people say you're only as good as your last two fights. Well, in that consideration, Ben Askren is not very good. He fought Damian Maya, who was also not a striker, and he wasn't able to strike with him at all. He also is going into a boxing match, who I've talked about in other ep- in other parts of this podcast and other episodes where striking and MMA and boxing are completely different. So even if he had experience in an MMA striking, that does not translate. That doesn't translate the way a lot of people think it would translate. He's old. He's dealt with many, many injuries throughout his career. You know, you can't just get a surgery and think your injuries are perfectly good to go. And he's going in there against a kid who's motivated, who's training with high-level athletes, and has a significantly more athletic body than Ben, which isn't really saying much. But, you know, I don't think that he just had the skills to beat Jake. I think the punch was legitimate. I think that if the fight had gone longer and Ben had been younger and in better shape, maybe it would have been a different fight. But I think that the reason people think it was staged was people thought Ben Askren was better than he was. And they thought that this Ben Askren, who is, you know, a retired late stage career Ben Askren, this is his, that was his his coming out of retirement for his, I think, his second or third retirement he was coming out of. He's probably totally out of shape. I think that people just overestimated what having fought in the UFC means because people that think that he did well in the UFC don't realize that the only win he got against Robbie Lawler was gifted to him. Robbie Lawler did not tap out and he did not go unconscious. It was gifted to him by that referee in that fight. He got absolutely slammed and mauled for the first 30 seconds of it. So there wasn't really any reason to believe that he was going to be a good boxer. So that's why people, I think, people just overestimated the value of Ben's boxing ability. And, you know, it showed. It showed that it wasn't there. And that's not even a knock on Ben, man. He's a great guy and he's one of the best wrestlers that we ever had in MMA. But wrestling and boxing are completely different things like they're they're completely irrelevant there's nothing similar about them except for the fact that they're a combat sport you know i guess the mentality is there you know you can make that argument but a guy like ben who was just just did not have the fast twitch muscle fiber to be able to strike slow twitch is a lot better for wrestling well medium twitch is great for wrestling but fast twitch is what you need for boxing for the most part some guys have made it work but do i think it was fake no i think that i think that jake just beat him I think that he's just a bit better than we thought he was. This was one I realized where, you know, Jake would probably beat me in a boxing match. I could kickbox the crap out of him. But in a boxing match, I was like, all right, man, I think you might be able to take me. <laughs> credit where credit is due. So I just think that, you know, you just got to you just got to swallow the pill, MMA community. <laughs> it just wasn't meant to be. So what was really relevant last night was watching Robert Whitaker fight. And man, Kelvin Gastelum is one of the most underrated guys in the middleweight division just because he's an absolute killer. He's super tough. He's got super heavy hands and he's incredibly talented. And that's why what Robert Whitaker did last night blew me away, man. You know, you fight a guy like Gastelum who's not going to go away. You could hit him with a sledgehammer and he'd probably stand right in front of you. He's just got a piece of cement for a head. And Whitaker boxed him up and 
you know, kicked him in the face and moved beautifully and hit him consistently. He was landing like five strike combinations off like a left lead high kick followed by a left hook. And then it was insane. I'd never seen anything like that from Robert Robert Whitaker. And I want to make the argument for why it's so imperative that he gets the next title shot. First thing first, he's defended the number one position three times. He's def- he's essentially been the gatekeeper at number one, which isn't where gatekeepers should be. He was going to fight Paulo Costa. He beat Jared Cannonier and Darren Till. I know that Adesanya doesn't like rematches, and I know that a lot of the fans don't like rematches, but I want to make sure that people understand something about fighting, and the thing about fighting is every night is not the same, and every fighter is not the same on every night. The Robert Whitaker that fought Adesanya the first time could be a completely different fighter from the Robert Whitaker that's been fighting these last three fights. And it's not even about skill. A lot of the time it's about your mentality. Where are you? We don't know where he was at the first time that he fought Adesanya. We don't know where Adesanya was at when he fought Jan Blahovic. Like We don't know how these rematches are going to go because these fighters are all so high level. They're at such an incredible level of skill that any gap that you give them, they're going to take advantage of. Any gap you give Israel Adesanya, who's without a doubt the best striker in the UFC right now, any gap you give him, he's going to take. He's unbelievably talented. Unbelievably. Well, Robert Whitaker reminded us last night that he's also at that level. That Robert Whitaker is not to be messed around with. He's not, he's not the next best. He's one of the best. He's one of the pound-for-pound best. It just so happened that Israel Adesanya is so good, he made him look not that good. But does that mean that if they fought again, it would look the same? A fight that happened, I think, two years ago now? Ask yourself, if you train martial arts, could you beat yourself up two years ago? I could. And I think Robert Whitaker could too. And if if he's settled his mindset, if he's got his brain in the right place, If he understands what he really, really wants to do, I think that he can go out there and really put on a different performance against Adesanya. Does he win? I don't know. I have no idea if he wins. Is it the best fight in the division by far? Is there even a conversation about who else should be fighting for the title right now? Absolutely not. That's the guy. That's the guy that has to fight for the middleweight title. Period. Let's see it.